Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Joaquin Evans. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. Come on. Let's give Jesus praise. Come on, let's give Jesus praise. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you for what you've done. We praise you for what you're doing. We praise you for what you're getting ready to do. Thank you, Jesus. Powerful King. Powerful Jesus is in this place. How many people love to worship tonight? Because you just love worshiping Jesus. I love worshiping Jesus because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Has he ever done anything in your life that would stir you just to declare that he's worthy? Yeah, and uh, Stacy led us in a powerful time of communion and, and the power of remembrance, remembering what he's done. But the last bit of worship there, I was having my own remembrance time before she got up and led us in that. I was just uh, undone. I was just being undone by his goodness. I've seen God do the most incredible things. I've, I know people that have had the most incredible experiences with God. And I was just, these stories were just playing through my mind as, as I'm in worship tonight. Our past intern, a good friend of ours, years ago, right before he got born again, he was, he was it's his story, but he was driving it, uh, in his car, going too fast. He was... Uh, out of his mind, he was high and, and drunk, and uh, I don't know if he passed out, but his car went off the road and wrapped itself around a tree. But right before he hit the tree, the hand of God reached in the car and grabbed him by the shirt and pulled him out of the car. Is this thing on? <laughs> God reached in the car, pulled him out of the car, and he comes to, and he's standing next to his car, and his car is wrapped around a tree. And he's looking at his car, not a scratch on his body. He's now stone sober. And the the police and the paramedics arrive, and they're frantically asking him, who's driving the car? Who's in the vehicle? The doors are, are welded shut. They're, they're warped shut. No getting in or out. They're trying to get in there, jaws of life. Who's in the car? Who was driving? And he's just stunned. He's like, I, I was. And they won't believe him because they're looking at an impossibility. Unless it's with God. Unless it's with God. Thank you, Jesus. Just talking to a young man who's now in ministry, but before he was in ministry, he was, his life had gone off the rails, and he was a, a, a heavy, heavy alcoholic, and uh, he, he, uh, he OD'd basically one night, ended up in the hospital, and uh, they, they couldn't resuscitate him, and he felt, he felt himself fall out of his body. But he didn't end up in heaven. It, he ended up in hell. He found himself in hell. But his parents, who were strong believers, were at home on their knees crying out, <laughs> crying out in intercession, praying. And, and yes, as a young man, he had given his heart to Jesus, but he found himself in hell. And he thought to himself, but... But what about Jesus? And at that moment, a, 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 a beam of light opened up over him and pulled him out of hell, and he woke up back in his body. Huh. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Uh, I just, I don't know how you live not undone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When God takes away a goiter the size of a 
cantaloupe and it just disappears in front of your eyes. It should be undone. When God disappears metal out of young ladies' knees, we should just be undone. The King of Glory is here and right before communion, one of the one of the men in our community came up to me, didn't know we were about to take communion, and said, I saw, I see two angels up at the front, one carrying a basket of freshly break, baked bread and the other pouring out fresh wine. Thank you, Jesus. There's just grace in the room tonight. There's grace over terminal conditions in the room tonight. God is good. There's grace over terminal conditions in the room tonight. There's, there's grace over chronic conditions in the room tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you, God, for every time you change a heart, every time you restore a relationship. Thank you, Jesus. The wind... The wind of grace is blowing. Anyone who, I just feel it, the terminal conditions, if that's you, we're just going to take a moment and pray for you. Terminal conditions, just stand to your feet if you're able. Chronic conditions, something that's been with you years and years, plaguing you, life-threatening, chronic conditions, just stand to your feet if you're able. If you're not able, just wave your hand. Just do something. We're going to pray. Chronic conditions, things have been plaguing people for years and years and years. I just feel like tonight's the night that they fall off in Jesus' name. So we're just, if you can just get around some of them right now, we're just going to release the grace of heaven over them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Somebody asked me the other day, what's the greatest miracle you ever saw? And I began to recount, to remember again, the time in, in Johannesburg, South Africa, where we approached a man on the street downtown South Africa amongst the skyscrapers and, you know, downtown an Afrikaans, a white, a white African man in a wheelchair, quadriplegic. He'd fallen off a roof 11 years before and broken his neck and his back in three places, quadriplegic in the wheelchair. We asked, we approached him on the street and said, sir, can we pray for you? And he said, I'm a, I'm a Christian. People have prayed for me hundreds of times and nothing ever happens. And my response to him that day was, well, what if something does happen? And he said, okay, you can pray. And we began to pray. And for the first few minutes, nothing happened. And then after a few minutes of prayer, his, his leg began to quiver and shake. And I looked at him, and he looked up at me with great big saucer eyes. And I said, does that normally happen to you? And he shook his head, no. As we kept praying, more quivers, shaking, just his legs just started vibrating, and then they would stop, and then they would vibrate again, and then they would stop. And then he began to cry, tears began to run down his face, and he began to declare. Now remember, quadriplegic, his legs were as thick as my forearms, <laughs> and his arms were as big as my wrist. He hadn't been able to, to feel his arms, his limbs, or move them in 11 years, bound to a wheelchair. And he began to, tears began to run down his face and began to declare, I can feel my legs. I can feel my legs. I can feel my legs. Thank you, Jesus. And they began to move his legs. He began to do, raise his knees and do scissor kicks. And, and his legs came back to life. And then his arms that were folded up, gnarled up, knotted up, <clears throat> He couldn't extend them. He couldn't feel them. He couldn't move them. We watched as his arms began to stretch out and unfold in front of our eyes. He got up out of his wheelchair, completely healed, and walked around the parking lot. 
As a result, a, a whole crowd gathered around in this downtown parking lot in Johannesburg witnessing this miracle. And as a result of his miracle, more miracles broke out. For the next three hours, we had miracles and salvations, miracles and salvations, miracles and salvations. Because of the goodness of God, the awe of God. So, Father, right now, I want you to pray. Just lift your voices. I'll partner with you, but right now, just lift your voices and just declare, just declare that terminal is not terminal in Jesus' name. That chronic is no longer chronic in the name of Jesus. Father, we declare the wind of breakthrough, Father. We release the angelic host, Father, right now. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, thank you for trauma disappearing in Jesus' name. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. <laughs> trauma disappearing in Jesus' name. And I was told that there is a young lady who had brain trauma. This isn't a word of knowledge. I was told that you're here, but I see trauma lifting off in Jesus' name. I see trauma lifting off, but I also see trauma lifting off from the abdomen area off to the side. I see trauma lifting off there in Jesus' name. Father, we take authority over trauma tonight. And we release the rivers of your grace in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Whew. Is God good? Thank you, Jesus. How many people expect some good reports to come back from tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God's done so many good things. The power of remembering the couple on the verge of divorce who walked through through those back doors, and the love of God hit them. Bam, no one talked to them, no one prayed for them, and God restored their marriage right there. <clears throat> the lady who came in on a walker, and God healed her body, and she's bending in ways that you shouldn't be able to, even if you were well, <laughs> but supernaturally, God restored her body. A lady back here who had metal in her wrist, and the metal disappeared in the presence of God. The person right there with deaf ears and their deaf ears open up in this building, in this room, because God is good and he's alive and he's on the throne and he's the king of kings and he is madly in love with his children. Father, we thank you for your goodness. All right, I got some stuff. This is called, uh, this is a message. We have a resource table. Why do we have a resource table? Because we want to resource you for the things of the kingdom, and to resource revival. These are, these are tools to equip you in that, and there's a lot of stuff out there. I just got a few things right here to highlight. This is a message that I did called Partnering with the Pleasure of God. And it is about partnering with the pleasure of God. So, uh, and it's powerful. This is uh, by Danny Silk. It's called, uh, sorry, Dan Fairley. It's called Kingdom Culture. Uh, living the values that disciple nations. And if you want to understand deeply our core values as a church and a, as a movement, it goes into biblical foundations, uh, all of that. This is the book for you, uh, Kingdom Culture. If you do an elements class, uh, you're asked to read that uh, about our core values so you can get that. And this is called The Perfect Gift. This is by my good friend, uh, Chris Gore. We ran the healing rooms together in Reading. He's got breakthrough. He has a, he has a, uh, a daughter uh, with uh, severe, severe uh, disabilities, and it's put, pressed him to push in uh, for breakthrough in these areas. And God's given this incredible breakthrough uh, over autism, over um, uh, uh, Down syndromes over all kinds of conditions that the church has been longing to see breakthrough in. And he shares testimonies over testimonies over testimonies of healing over special needs conditions. 
and uh, also practical need, uh, practical tools for interacting. And this is a this is a powerful uh, book for yourself or to bless someone with. Uh, if you know someone who that applies to, I would really recommend getting that. Can you, Jai, you want to give these away to some happy-looking people? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. 34 minutes, that's all I need. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm struggling, but in, the good, but in the good way, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it's, it's not easy up here tonight. But... Uh, we're going to press through because Jesus is good. How many people love the Word of God? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. If you got a Bible, open your Bible to Mark chapter 9. We're also going to jump into Matthew chapter 6 and Isaiah. Thank you, Jesus. And Isaiah 58. Revelations 4, Genesis 7, 2 Samuel. No, I'm just kidding. Just, just the first three. Just the first three. We're going to be Mark, Mark 9, Matthew 6, and Isaiah 58. I'm out of breath. It's like hard to breathe up here. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's pray because... Extend your hands towards me. Say, Jesus, help that man. He needs it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> take, take him out, Pastor Eddie. <laughs> uh, I asked the wrong group of people to pray. <laughs> Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, it's the story, it starts with the story of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and what a powerful story, what a powerful picture that is. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on the mountain, and he's transfigured before them. His clothes become exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer could make them. And Moses and Elijah come, and Jesus is talking with them, and the voice of the Father comes and overshadows them, and he, he, the voice of the Father speaks and says, this is my son, hear him. What a powerful picture. And we know, we know Peter you know, puts his foot in his mouth, as he often does, and, and he tries to come up with something to do, and let us make three tabernacles, and God says, Peter, just, just listen, this is my son. And powerful, powerful a moment there. But they come down from this mountain, and, and they come down from the mountain, and they encounter the, the disciples that are praying for a boy. And, the, and, they, and they can't get breakthrough with this boy. We're, Mark 9. Verse 17, then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a, a mute spirit, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And... <clears throat> He jumped, uh, verse 20, then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire, into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible with God. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. 
When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. The spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him, and he became as one dead. So that many said, he is dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into his house, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, here it is, this, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Again, a powerful story. Amen? But I've been meditating on this verse a lot recently. This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And sometimes there's verses that gnaw at me a little bit. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but they gnaw at me because somehow my brain thinks that I get it, but my spirit knows that I don't. I'm the only one. And, uh, and I know, aren't you, uh, aren't you so impressed with the Word of God and how it has layers of truth and understanding and revelation? And one moment you think you got it, but yet there's more. And, and the next moment he reveals something new and something deeper to you. And there's, there's verses in there that, that gnaw at me because I know that there's something so much more in there than what I'm fully getting. But I've been meditating on this, actually waking up thinking about it some times recently. And this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. And I think that it is somewhat been a misunderstood concept in the Bible. Because how many people know that Jesus, Jesus has built a kingdom that's based on relationship? That he's not the God of formula. He's not the God of just doing things out of routine that is, that is absent and void of, of relational equity. That he declares over us in John 15 that I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. And so Jesus has, has established this, this kingdom of intimacy and relationship. And Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. But yet here he says, this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. And when Jesus speaks, it's truth. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so the question isn't what Jesus is saying, but the question is, what are we understanding in what he's saying. And sometimes I think that, that the spirit of uh, religion will try and twist things sometimes. And it will try to sneak us back into the servant place instead of the sonship place. And I think this is one of those verses that we can mistakenly look at this verse through the, through the formula lens. The religious lens or the servant lens. But prayer and fasting is not meant to just be a formula. And this is what God, I believe, has revealed to me, that, that Jesus isn't prescribing a formula. Like, do this formula. Like, I've broken down all the other formulas, and I've made it out of relationship and get close to me and know me. But here, here's one formula. Just do this formula, and everything's going to work out all right. See how it just twists, twists my brain up a little bit? But this is what he's saying. I believe we've been reading it through the long, wrong lens, many of us. And Jesus isn't saying, do this formula. And he's definitely not saying, when you run into a problem, go away, do this formula, and then come back. And you'll be able to solve the problem. I believe what he's actually describing here is that, uh, that he's describing a lifestyle and he's actually talking about two gateways, two doorways, prayer. How many people know that prayer is a doorway to intimacy? And fasting is a doorway to intimacy. And Jesus isn't saying, when you have a problem, go away and do this. Jesus is saying, establish relational equity. Step in through the doorway of prayer. And step in through the doorway of fasting until you've developed a, a weight of relational equity on your life that whatever problems you run into, they're cast out. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. This guy only comes out with prayer and fasting. But Jesus isn't describing simply a solution to a problem. He's, just, he's actually describing, here's, here's the lens shift that I believe he wants to bring. He's actually describing a lifestyle of inst- intimacy. He, he, what if we worded it this way? If you have a depth of relational equity with me, that spirit will know who you are. And it will have to listen when you speak. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. When Jesus speaks, it's truth. But how are we interpreting what he's saying? How many people believe that that the best best, uh, interpreter of the Bible is the Bible itself? And so I want to look at at prayer and fasting in the Bible a little bit. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Someone say prayer. Thank you, Jesus. In Matthew 6, I read here a lot. It's one of my favorite places in the Bible. Jesus gives us keys to prayer and connecting. In Matthew 6, Verse 6, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Again, someone say, pray. So we are letting the Bible interpret the Bible, and when Jesus says, this kind only comes out with first prayer, what is he talking about? And this is when Jesus teaches about prayer. Right after that, he teaches the disciples the Lord's Prayer. And when Jesus says to pray, he says, go into your room and close your door and pray to your Father who sees in secret. What is he talking about? The secret place where relational equity or relational weight is developed. But do you know that that word room there, go into your room, that that word room in the Greek can also be translated storehouse. Somebody say secret place. (laughs) Secret place. When you go into your room or when you step into your storehouse, your spiritual storehouse with God, that's where you get all of the tools and all of the equipping and all of the relational equity that you need to shift things from the, from the heavens to the earth. Thank you, Jesus. When you go in your room, when you go into your storehouse, close the door and pray to your Father who sees in secret. Do you know that word pray there is, is two words combined, pros and yo, yokomahi. And yokomahi is a lower form by itself, separated. It's a lower form of prayer, and it can, be, it can mean prayer or even wishing for something. And it's not always connected to the divine, just like, oh, I'm wishing for, you know, better this or better that. You're not necessarily talking about praying It's a lower form of prayer or wishing, but when you combine it with prose, you get this active form of prayer that's directly pointed at heaven. And this is the type of prayer that God is talking about. And follow this. When we combine it with prose, it's a, a higher type of intentional prayer communicating directly with God. Prose means this. It means motion towards to interface with, it indicates extension towards a goal with implied interaction or reciprocity. Reciprocity, we're going to go on, but reciprocity, the practice of exchanging things with others for mutual benefit, especially privileges granted from one to another. Now, going on, <laughs> with implied interaction or reciprocity, with pursuit, 
presumed contact or reaction naturally suggests the cycle of initiation and response. Jesus says, this kind, and, and take out the, the, the spirit that had that boy bound and put in whatever problem you might be facing. Put in whatever boulder is not yet moving. Put in whatever problem you might face tomorrow that you don't even know is coming yet and interject that in his place. And Jesus says, that thing only comes out with prayer. But when he says, this is how you pray, he says, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who sees in secret, and your father will reward you openly. But this type of prayer is talking about an intentional prayer that's moving towards someone who is looking for interaction and engagement and even to come out with, with mutual benefits. Thank you, Jesus. Or privileges granted from one to another. How many people know that God is good at pouring out his promises? That God is good at pouring out his glory. He's good at pouring out his grace. He's good at pouring out his favor. He's good at pouring out his breakthrough. But God, but God can only fill the measure of vessel of expectancy that we bring into the secret place. Did you know that when you pray, you're not just casting out wishes, you're not just casting out words, you're not praying to someone who's distant that you're supposed to actually come expecting interaction. You're, you're supposed to come expecting engagement. You're, you're, you're meant to come expecting, listen, mutual benefit. We have a good father. Is that true? We have a good father who has, who has children that he loves, and in the natural, I'm a father, and when my children come and run and jump in my lap, and they hug me, and they, they share their day with me, and they talk about their dreams with me, who wins? Both. Both. We both win. <clears throat> I'm going to say it again. God can only fill you. He can only fill your vessel to the measure of expectancy that you bring to the storehouse. Are you expecting to encounter God when you come before him? Thank you, Jesus. Fasting. Turn to Isaiah 58. Somebody say fasting. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm so, <sighs> we just need to get to praying. It's so thick in here. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Someone again, say fasting. Isaiah 58 verse 6 says this, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh, then, someone say then, then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer you. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. Thank you, Jesus. Powerful stuff. Jesus says this time only comes out with prayer, prayer and fasting. But if you listen to what we just read, and it starts with, is this not the fast that I have chosen, says the Lord? 
And listen, fasting as in uh, denying yourself and not eating food, whatever it is, that, that's a powerful exercise that is a doorway. It's an invitation into encounter and intimacy with the Lord. Amen? But Jesus describes, uh, God describes the type of fast that he desires here. This fast is a, by design, is continually moving towards the ways of God and his kingdom. If you look at what's written here, another way to say it would be the fast that God is calling us to is abstaining from anything that is inconsistent with the nature of God. Look at, the, look at the language again. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him? And on and on and on. Jesus is saying, this is the fast I want, that you actually purpose in yourself to, to divide yourself away from everything that doesn't line up with my nature. Yes, you can fast food because fast, fasting food tunes us into this reality. It makes us sensitive to, is this in alignment with the heart of God? Is this in alignment with the heart of God? <laughs> it's a, it is a tuning fork to sensitivity, but what he's asking us for is to cut off from us everything that isn't in alignment with his nature. Listen, how many people, you've been on a three-day fast? Maybe you've been on, no one? <laughs> I didn't really mean it, but now I mean it. How many people have you done a three-day fast before in your life? Seven-day fast, 21-day fast. Listen, we've done fast, but how powerful would a fast? Listen, if for seven days your intention is to not do anything that's out of alignment with the nature of the kingdom. That I'm fasting misalignment with heaven. And what if that three days of that, what if that week of that turned into a month of that, turned into nine months of that, turned into three years of that? <laughs> that you're fasting everything. You're like, uh-uh. You know, when you're fasting, you're dedicated. You're like, I'm setting these three days apart, and I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to touch that. And people come, and they're like, hey, I brought dessert. And you're like, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. Because you set yourself apart. Is this getting through? Because you've set yourself apart and you've you put a stake in the ground. And you're like, no, I'm not doing that. What if we fast misalignment with heaven? Uh-uh, I'm not doing that. And what if it goes back beyond three days? Into seven days. Into 21 days, into 40 days, into four months, into four years of like, I'm not doing misalignment. But the whole time I'm coming into the storehouse with my father and I'm expecting interaction and engagement and mutual benefit and privileges and the anointing of his presence gets all over me and the friendship grows and the weightiness of relational equity is increasing on my life and I fasted everything that's out of alignment with heaven. His anointing is on me and now I come down from the mountain. <laughs> and the boy who's gripped by the Spirit, is before you, and all you have to do is say, hey, Spirit, be gone. <laughs> Why? Because you're carrying the weight of relational equity. God, God isn't just giving a formula, and he's definitely not saying, when you encounter a problem... The, the solution is to run away, fast and pray, and then come back. And we've all been there. You know, you, know, you get the call, somebody's in an accident, whatever, and you're like, oh, man. And you start fasting and praying, whatever. We've been there, and that's not wrong in itself, but it's not the depth that God is inviting us into. God's inviting us through the doorways of fasting in prayer, into the storehouse of relational equity. <laughs> that when you go, you don't go alone, but your friend, the weight 
of the presence of your friend goes with you. And where you go, everything begins to shift to line up with his ways because he's with you. You guys have heard the story of the mouse and the elephant walking over the rope bridge together. The mouse is riding on the, the shoulders of the elephant, and they get across the bridge, and the mouse looks back at the bridge and says to the elephant, wow, we sure shook that bridge. Four people got it. <laughs> How many people know the mouse was along for the ride, but he wasn't carrying the weight of the relationship? <laughs> that someone else was bringing the weight. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. This kind only comes out through the weight of relational equity. Can I say that again? This kind only comes out through the weight of relational equity. <clears throat> How much power does that type of fasting release? When we step into this type of fasting, where we're, where we're dedicating ourselves to cut off anything that's out of alignment with the nature of God, the results of this type of fasting is right here in what we just read the result of this fasting, if you look at verse 8, it says, after he describes the fast, he says, your light breaks forth. Healing will spring forth speedily. Someone say speedily. Healing will spring. It doesn't just say healing will get there. <laughs> It doesn't say one day in the, in the future, in the far beyond. No, it says healing will spring forth speedily. Number three, your righteousness will go before you. And number four, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. How many think those sound like powerful attributes? More benefits. Verse 9 when you call, the Lord will answer. And number six, when you cry, the Lord will say, here I am. Can I read those again real quick and then we'll move on? Number one, your light breaks forth. Number two, healing will spring forth speedily. Number three, your righteousness will go before you. Number four, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Number five, when you call, the Lord will answer. Number six, when you cry, the Lord will say, here I am. How many people know the Bible says, seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. Can I get the team to come back up? <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. I'm going, to tell, I'm going to tell a story, and then we're going to pray. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. All I want to do is just keep on worshiping. But I feel like there's really a power that's present, the anointing of God. Father, I thank you that you're, that you're really, I just, it's so reverberating in my spirit, authority over terminal conditions. <clears throat> and many of you have heard this, this before, but there was a season uh, of my life where uh, early on being born again, and I was I was just seeking the God, uh, seeking God with everything in my heart, just going after it. And I was, I was actually uh, living with Eddie and Megan, who were living with another family, because <laughs> that's a long story. But they were between houses, and there was a, a problem with the house they were moving into, and and so we all ended up living at Glenn and Sandy's house. And I'm sleeping on the couch, and 
Every night I would wait till everyone would go to sleep, and I would get up, and I would just seek God. I would just pray, and I would cry out, and I was fasting often in the natural, and I'm praying all the time in, in my secret place, and I didn't have language. I didn't know it was called the storehouse. I didn't even know it was called the secret place. I just knew that when I pressed into prayer, he was there. And that I, that I could meet with him every night. And my, and my expectancy was that he was good. And I hadn't, I hadn't learned a whole bunch of religion. That, I had, that there was ladders that I had to climb. And that maybe after 40 years I could encounter God. No one told me that stuff. All I knew is that he was there. Every night when I went into my secret place and I closed the door, he was there. And I would encounter him and I would love on him. And he would love on me and I would talk to him and he would talk to me. And sometimes I would get stuck in the floor for hours. And sometimes I would be in deep intercession. And sometimes I would just be rocking back and forth as he held me. And I would just encounter him over and over again. And in this season, I... I went to a Heidi Baker meeting and had never heard of Heidi Baker. Many of you heard this story. I hadn't heard of Heidi Baker yet. And, she, and, and at the end, she said, I'm going to do an altar call for missionaries and church planners. And I was a brand new believer. I didn't know if I was called to be a missionary or a church planner. But at that point, I didn't care. I wanted what was on her life. When she came out on the, I never heard of Heidi Baker, but when she came out on the stage, God came with her. She was the mouse and he was the elephant. And she came out on the stage and she was, I love Heidi now, I never heard of her then. And she came on the stage, she's like, oh, oh, doing all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what's happening there, but I feel the person of God that came out with her. And she said, I'm going to do an altar call for church planners and missionaries. And I honestly am like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I'm one of those. But it didn't matter because I wanted what was on her life. And I thought to myself, she could give an altar call for pregnant Chinese women. And I would go up to the front. I would run up there because I want, I want what I feel the person that came on the stage with her. I'm like, that's my friend. That's my friend. You know the same? That's a bigger version of my friend. I want that. And she said, I'm going to pray. And all these people came forward and said, I'm going to pray. And she prayed. And I got my hands up in the air. I said, God, I want you. All I want is you. And I got my hands up in the air. And I'd like to say that lightning bolts hit me. I'd like to say, I got stuck to the ground for three days. None of that happened. Do you know what happened is I got my hands up in the air, and these three fingertips started to tingle. Not even my whole fingers. Just the tips. But I, in that moment, I was overwhelmed and undone by the reality. Listen, I connected the reality that this tingling was God. And I was overwhelmed and undone with the reality that the God of the universe, who the God who literally spoke and the universe came into existence, the one who hung the stars, was touching my fingertips. I was like, this is the God of the Bible. He's touching my fingers. He's touching my fingers. That's incredible. God, you're touching my fingers. Now, the truth is it could have easily been ignored. It was just tingling on three, just the tips right there. I wasn't stuck to the floor, but I was stuck in awe. You're touching my fingers. That's incredible. This is the most amazing thing ever. And after a few, a few moments of that, I looked over. I was there with a couple of friends. My friend on my left, she's got her hands up, and she's like, Jesus, I want you, and she's asking for more. And I look at her, and I'm just struck with this reality. She wants God, and I'm looking at my fingertips going, I think this is God. And she wants God, and I think this is God. 
let's see what happens. And so I put my hand on her head and she falls out. And I went, this thing is loaded. And I looked to my right and my other friend, he's there with his eyes closed. Jesus, I want more of you. I want you. And I'm looking at my fingers and I'm going, he wants more of God. I think this is God. He wants more of God. So I put my hand on him and he falls out. And I'm like, this is the greatest moment of my life. And I went home. I didn't have language for it then. I, I probably... I don't know if I even could have taken you to Matthew 6, 6 at this point. Maybe I could. Maybe I couldn't. I don't remember. But I, I know I went home that night. Instead of running out to, like, eat after the meeting with friends, I went home. And I went in my room and I closed the door. But I, I actually mean, like, in the natural, I went in my room and I closed the door. And I laid on the floor and I looked at my fingers for two hours. I just looked at them. I went, the God of the universe is touching my fingers. And then the next night I did the same thing. And then the next night I did the same thing. And sometimes it was two hours, sometimes it was three hours, but every night for months I would get home. My friends started wondering what had happened to me. I wasn't hanging out with anybody. I just wanted to be with him and I just go home and I'd lay on the floor and I would just start to thank him. And the tingling wouldn't last all day. But I would just start to thank him for the night before and it would come back. But what happened is over time, it started to grow down my fingers, over my hand, down my arm, across my chest, down my body, until I would lay on the floor and I would have currents of electric love just circulating over my body. I just lay on the floor, I love you, God, I love you. And he would love me. And I didn't know that I was in the storehouse. I knew I was there. I didn't know it had a name. And I've told this story, but three or four months into this season, I'm driving to work one morning, and I stop at a stop sign, not even a stop light. I just pause at a stop sign, and the presence of God explodes in my car. And I really, it freaked me out. And my first thought was, God, what are you doing here? And that was literally, literally the thought that ran through my head. God, what are you doing here? Because I had only known God in my room on the floor, thanking him for touching my fingers. And his presence exploded in the car, and this is what he said. I said, God, what are you doing here? And he said this. He said, you've been pressing in for friendship with me. And now I just like being with you. Here's the last part I'm getting to. And we're going to pray in that same similar, similar season. A friend was having prayer meeting. A bunch of us like to gather at this friend's house and we would pray. And uh, they were having a prayer meeting, but I was, I was working, I think, the night, evening shift that particular day. And... And so I couldn't make it. I was just going to kind of catch the end of this prayer meeting. And I knew it, but that's all right. I was hungry. I was going to go anyway. And I knew they had been praying for an hour and a half or whatever already by the time I got there. But I kind of like quietly walk in because they're already praying. And I walk into the living room and they're kind of ending the, the prayer time. And they're all in the living room holding hands, like 15 people holding hands. And they're praying. And I walk into the room. And a lady on the far side of the circle, she falls to the floor and starts manifesting and starts, a voice that isn't her starts screaming out saying, keep him away from me. Keep him away from me. Guess who wasn't the elephant in that situation? I didn't know she was there. I didn't know what she'd been to. The long story short is that she was a brand new, just, just given her life to Jesus, but had come out of lots of torment and pain, and she was demonically oppressed and tormented at night, and she had been in this prayer meeting. Listen, she'd been in this prayer meeting all evening, an hour and a half, two hours, I don't know, but I was in this season of relational equity, 
the weight of relational equity. And I just walked into the living room. She falls down on the floor, starts manifesting. And a voice, not her, cries out, keep him away from me. Of course, she gets completely delivered. Set free of her addictions. Set free of her torment. Set free of the pain. She had been abused. God did a deep, deep, deep work in her that night. But I wasn't the elephant. I was the mouse. But when I walked in, someone walked in with me. This, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. But it's not a formula. It's not a fix-it-quick formula. It's not even a work-hard formula. It's not a you didn't fast enough hours. No, it's an invitation into relational equity. Come closer. Come closer. Come into the secret place and expect to encounter me when you do. Spend time with me. Make a stand. Cut out everything that's mis in misalignment with the kingdom. Fast it. Come into my presence. And you'll begin to walk in the weight of relational equity. That whatever problem you encounter, it will have to flee because you step into the room. If you want more relational, the weight of relational equity on your life, I just want you to stand to your feet. We're going to let the team play over you. If you have children, you're going to need to go get them in a moment. First question I want to ask you is how big is your vessel that you bring to the storehouse. Because if you bring a thimble, he can fill a thimble. <laughs> if you bring a saucer, a teacup, he'll fill a teacup. If you bring a bucket, now you're talking. He could fill a bucket, <laughs> but if you bring a barrel, he could fill a barrel. I want to Seriously ask you, how big's the vessel that you're bringing? Just put your hand on your heart and say, Jesus, expand my vessel of expectancy. Say it again, expand my vessel of expectancy in Jesus name now something happened when Heidi Baker came out on the stage I said the person that came with her I want back I feel like that God is drawing some people calling some people he's speaking to some people right now your spirit is saying yes those, those doorways of invitation, I want more of that on my life right now. I feel like the weight of God is going to rest on some people tonight. We're not done. We're going to release you. But if that's you in a moment, I'm just going to invite you to come up. Just step through the doorway and just be with Jesus in his presence. So, Father, I thank you for these people that are hungry enough to give out of their Saturday evening to come and just to be with you and to pursue your presence and pursue revival. Father, I thank you that when you come, you come for mutual gain. So we bless you in Jesus' name. Now listen, God's calling you through the doorway. Just come right now. I feel like an increased weight. I feel like God's releasing some keys over people. I feel like a, a struggle over some people is breaking. Some people, the, the, the grind of formula is breaking. He's actually shattering the gears. He's shattering the gears. He's breaking the gearbox apart. You've been trying to crank through the weight of formula. I gotta do it. 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 And he's saying, No, 
He's breaking that, and he's saying, all you have to do is come and sit at my feet. Come and be with me. Come and breathe me in. Come and talk with me and let me talk with you. But when you come, bring a big bucket or better yet, a barrel because I will fill your measure of expectancy. Yeah, that really, I could feel it all right now even. I could feel it right now. I could feel the, the weight of relational equity increasing in Jesus' name. And there's some things that have been stuck that are about to be cast out in people's lives because they're learning the secret of the storehouse. We bless you. If you gotta go, please be released to go. If you have children, pick them up. But the team is gonna minister to us and just sit at his feet and let him minister to you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.